your daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day when people are trying to sort through what happened. Uh, who won? Who lost? What does the elections, uh, the series of elections all across the country, in Arizona, in the state of Washington, in the state of Michigan, and uh, elsewhere, and in Kansas above all, what does that say about where we are as a country and what the important uh, issues are going to be in this upcoming election? And then in the election of 2024, will abortion be a front and center issue in November? Uh, certainly the Democrats want it to be after their surprise win, big win, in Kansas last night. And, and there is no way to read this other than a very, very surprising indication that this is an issue that divides the Republican Party. It does not divide the Democratic Party. It divides the Republican Party. And uh, the, the ballot resolution that was put to the people of Kansas, Kansas, one of the most traditional Republican states out there, it in fact uh, has pretty much always been a Republican state. And this goes back to the origins of the state of Kansas just before the Civil War. And the idea that in a, at a time when by almost two to one, by 62% of all the people who voted in that election voted in the Republican primary and only 38% in the Democratic primary. And that wasn't because there was a particularly hot race in either one. There is a race for Governor Governor Laura Kelly, who is a Democrat, is uh, facing a very tough fight for re-election. But who knows? Maybe that will change because of this issue of abortion. There was a ballot measure which would have opened up the possibility of the legislature of Kansas, which is heavily Republican and heavily pro-life on both sides, would have opened up the possibility of the legislature uh, basically turning around and issuing all kinds of abortion restrictions. There was talk that they would follow the example of Idaho, which is now being challenged by the Justice Department under Merrick Garland about their regulation of abortion, where basically they have a, a, uh, one of those bills that uh, within six weeks makes uh, abortion completely impossible and not authorized and not allowed. That being uh, challenged now by the Justice Department on the basis that it puts women's lives in danger because the restrictions are so comprehensive. But uh, Kansas is not Idaho, or is it? Because one of the things that uh, the people who are very pro uh, what is called abortion rights, people who are what used to be called pro-choice, who really are pro-abortion, people who are taking that position are now taking the surprising uh, a notion to the bank, which is let's have people vote on it because the vote in, in Kansas was just uh, uh, unbelievable in terms of how one-sided it was. 
and how much people voted no against any further regulation against abortion. Uh, Here was the actual wording in the Kansas Abortion Amendment. And what this is based upon is back in 2019, there was the state Supreme Court that offered an interpretation of the state constitution that said there was a state constitutional right to abortion. And that beyond the regulations that already existed in Kansas, they didn't have the right to make more regulations or limitations on abortion access. And uh, here was the language that people voted on yesterday, and they voted uh, over 60 percent, slightly over 60 percent, voted no to this. Uh, The regulation of abortion is the heading. And what it said on the ballot was, because Kansans value both women and children, the Constitution of the state of Kansas does not require government funding of abortion and does not create or secure a right to abortion. To the extent permitted by the Constitution of the United States, the people, through their elected state representatives and state senators, may pass laws regarding abortion, including but not limited to laws that account for circumstances of pregnancy resulting from rape or incest or circumstances of necessity to save the life of the mother. Now, you are supposed to <laughs> basically answer yes or no on that. I, do you need me to read it again? It is so confusing, so poorly written, uh, so inane in the way that that is worded uh, be, because it's unclear what it is. And I, I'm, I am sure that a number of people who uh, voted no, which was the majority of the people in Kansas, which is being considered this great victory for uh, abortion, uh, basically were voting no out of sheer confusion. I mean, not only is this wordy and incompetent and incoherent, it, uh, it really doesn't even try to help a, a voter who might look at this and be puzzled who isn't already committed on one side or another. The other thing that encourages abortion rights advocates so-called on this issue is that the turnout was huge. The uh, Larry Sabato's uh, Crystal Ball reports, it's one of those uh, websites that looks at elections across the country. Turnout was high, though some votes are still being counted. Just over 900,000 ballots were cast in the referendum in Kansas which was close to 90% of what uh, uh, the turnout was for the general election in 2018. That's just four years ago. While that is impressive, it confirmed our existing feeling that 2022 is on track to be a very high turnout midterm. As pollster John Cavillian has tracked, primary turnout thus far has exceeded that of 2018. The reason they do 2018 is because they always have bigger turnouts for presidential uh, presidential elections. Uh, Larry uh, Sabato uh, continues, abortion rights proponents may have also benefited from holding the no position on the ballot as opposed to the yes position, which was the anti-abortion rights position on the ballot. 
The Kansas issue was asking voters to change the state constitution to allow for abortion restrictions. A writing last year in State Politics and Policy Quarterly, uh, political scientists Joshua Dick and Shauna Pearson Merkowitz found that the no side in a statewide ballot issue can have a much easier time getting its message through to voters. Quote, voters possess a built-in negativity bias, and since the status quo occupies that side, negative frames will be far more effective than positive frames, they wrote. This is worth keeping in mind as new statewide ballot issues on abortion emerge as huge electoral flashpoints, as they surely will in this post-Roe era. Uh, in other words, they were asking people to change the Kansas Constitution. And they were asking us them to change the Kansas Constitution in a way that seemed to be contradictory, that seemed to try to disguise the fact that they were talking about uh, more active roles by the government in protecting babies uh, who might uh, otherwise be, be terminated. Uh, we will get back to more on that and the truth of how many abortions really are there in Kansas that we are talking about. That and more coming up on The Medved Show. Michael Medved show uh, the history of uh, abortions in Kansas the uh, total abortions in 2020 were 7542 in 2021 they don't have statistics for this year yet uh, they had gone up slightly the Kansas Department of Health and Environment reported there were 7845 abortions that took place in Kansas during 2021 that number includes abortions performed on out-of-state residents, but does not include abortions performed on Kansas residents in other states. And you may remember there was a very controversial abortion doctor, a physician in uh, Wichita named uh, Tiller, who was uh, deri derided as uh, Tiller the Killer because George Richard Tiller gained national attention as medical director of the Women's Health Care Services, which was one of only three abortion clinics at the time nationwide that provided a late termination of pregnancy. And this is just such a complicated uh, issue, and it's a kind of issue that Merrick Garland is going to be bringing up in the Department of Justice with this lawsuit in Idaho because uh, there is a real question, and this goes beyond the Dobbs case, if uh, there is a, uh, an obstruction to uh, the medical obligation that doctors have to do whatever they can to save a life, 
if a uh, abortion law that uh, basically bans abortion with no exceptions and without strong exceptions for the health of the mother, taking that decision away from doctors entirely, well, that is perhaps actionable. And the Justice Department thinks that it is. And uh, with the Justice Department now suing Idaho, we will see what happens with this new environment post uh, Roe v. Wade. But for the election to have come out the way that it did in Kansas, where it remains a, uh, a, a very heavy Republican state, very lopsided Republican state, and in fact, the race for governor, uh, both the Republican front runner and the incumbent governor who's a Democrat, uh, won easily in their primaries, but uh, that re Democratic governor of the state of Kansas is, unless she's able somehow to mobilize the uh, uh, the public and the pro-abortion crowd in order to regenerate her campaign, uh, it it looks like this is is going to be one of those opportunities the Republicans have to take back a governorship in a state that is heavily Republican, where they have currently a Democratic uh, governor. The way that CNN summarized what happened there, it said Kansas voters sent a dramatic message yesterday opting to maintain the right to an abortion in their state's constitution just weeks after the U.S. Supreme Court decided to overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, poll, polls have long shown that voters overwhelmingly support protecting abortion rights. Now, that's coming from CNN. That's true, and it's untrue. Uh, there, It is not true that if, if you give people a choice, well, are you in favor of abortion rights or are you in favor of the right to life? People tend to be evenly split on that. What the polls show, and this is really very important to remember, it is true. If you ask people, do I want abortion to be legal and acceptable all of the time? Uh, there are more people who say, well, I want it legal and acceptable all of the time than people who say, uh, no, I want abortion to be banned all of the time. That's true. But in the middle, the idea of having an uh, option of getting an abortion but having restrictions, having waiting periods, having parental notification, having time limits like a requirement that you get the abortion in the first trimester. A an abortion right with restrictions is far more popular than either the position that says never abortion or always the right to abortion. The uh, win for the no vote in Kansas is proof of uh, the popularity of abortion generally and signals that the Supreme Court decision has further angered voters and possibly shifted the politics of the issue ahead of the November election. Now, this goes along with a brand new poll issued today. It must have been taken before Election Day, so it's not influenced by the results of the election, but it's influenced by all of the issues that people are discussing uh, right here. The... Uh, the poll is the first one that shows that uh, actually people would prefer to maintain Democratic control of Congress, both houses, than to uh, favor a Republican flip.
Which is striking because everyone has assumed that uh, partially because history shows that is the case. In midterm elections, the president's party almost always loses. We have a president who's very unpopular right now. People are very concerned about the economy and about the rising prices and uh, about the future during a recession. And all of the about President Biden's age is an issue. People are eager, it seems, to vote against Biden. But now, and could it be uh, that it is partially because of this abortion issue? Now you have a slight edge for people who say, no, we'd like to keep Congress Democratic. That's a change. What's behind it? We'll talk to Frank Luntz about that. He is uh, one of the leading purveyors of, so, of uh, focus groups and uh, general political analyst and guru. He's one of the people who, interestingly enough, helped Newt Gingrich set up the contract with America and that great Republican victory where they gained 55 seats in the House of Representatives. The Republicans did take control. That was back in 1994. Is there anything like that going on this time? Well, not if the results last night were any, um, any indication. Uh, the other aspect that everyone is talking about is... Uh, the fact that um, a number of candidates who were very involved with uh, President Trump, heartily endorsed by President Trump, candidates who supported uh, the idea of the stolen election and believed that the election of 2020 was rigged and crooked and uh, basically manipulated by all kinds of nefarious powers, a number of people like that seemed to win including a perhaps clean sweep in Arizona, though the governor's race is still undecided, with 80% of the votes cast. We will get to that and to much more. Does this cement Trump's control of the Republican Party? Or are there reasons to question the nature of his victories, and it's plural, last night? We will get to that and much more. Coming up on a busy day on the Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show. One of the, uh, the wins that President Trump uh, is no doubt celebrating is his win in the state of Michigan last night. Uh, both the candidate that he uh, favored uh, and endorsed at the last minute for governor, uh, Tudor Dixon, who is a very fascinating figure in many ways. I mean, she has a very varied background. Apparently, the Democrats are getting ready to use against her. The fact that uh, earlier in her career, uh, she made some fairly racy movies. They're not porno movies. Uh, they, they are fairly racy movies. She has a background as an actress and a television communicator and a business manager. And uh, she's expected to give a spirited race to, uh, to the incumbent governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, 
Uh, she was endorsed by President Trump. She thanked him for the endorsement. She won the primary against really unthinkable losers who were one of whom was a participant in January 6th, uh, was there in Washington, D.C., actually has legal problems concerning his participation on January 6th. There are other multiple legal problems from some of Tudor Dixon's other challengers. I, I think this goes now from being a 100% sure thing Democratic win for Gretchen Whitmer to now being uh, one where she is still going to be favored. I, I think Tudor Dixon indicated at her victory celebration that she was going to emphasize the very unpopular record of the Whitmer administration during the lockdown and talk about her having allegedly overreacted to COVID-19. Is this going to be a successful strategy? Who knows? But Michigan, which was very much a swing state uh, in last time, it was a even closer. Michigan was very close between Trump and Hillary. And Trump just barely carried the state, but who knows how it will turn out this time. What did happen is one of the Republican 10, the 10 Republican members of the House, who voted not to remove Trump from office because that isn't the job of the House, but they voted for the impeachment of President Trump on the charges of inciting a riot basically, and inciting an insurrection against the Congress of the United States. There were 10 members of Congress who were Republicans who joined all the Democrats and and voted for the impeachment of the president. Uh, the president has made it a gigantic priority to go after them, uh, particularly the ones who refuse to drop out. Adam Kinzinger, for instance, has just decided not to run for re-election and to go through that ordeal. Uh, David Valadeo in, in California, who's another one of those 10, actually prevailed in the California primary. They have the top two primary in California, the same way they do in Washington State, where it looks like both of the members, uh, Jamie Herrera Butler and uh, Dan Newhouse, both of the members in from the state of Washington who voted to impeach Trump. It looks like they have survived and they will go on to a race against a Democrat in uh, the next round. But in Michigan, Peter Meyer, who is a great guy, I mean, he comes from one of the wealthiest families in, in Michigan. They own a chain of uh, department stores, Meyers, believe it or not. And uh, he is someone who served his country in the armed forces He uh, in, in Iraq. He is a young man. He had just been elected. This is an interesting congressional seat. Uh, and it's a seat that was once held by Gerald Ford in the Grand Rapids area. And uh, Peter Meyer's family is uh, known as descended from Dutch immigrants. That part of the country, by the way, is heavily Dutch American. Yeah, it is. And which is one of the reasons there's a lot of strength for the Dutch Reformed Church and its offshoots and people who are uh, deeply religious. The DeVos family, Betsy DeVos, is from that part of the state of Michigan. And what happened is Peter Meyer 
though he's consistently conservative and very conservative and and uh, extremely energetic and charismatic and, and seemed to be a, a real a rising star in the Republican Party. Uh, he um, he voted against President Trump. President Trump uh, endorsed and supported. Uh, another candidate named John Gibbs. Now, John Gibbs, no one's mentioning this, is also a remarkable figure and a remarkable Republican. He is a black guy. Uh, he's heavy. He's sort of built like Clarence Thomas, you'll pardon me. And uh, he's a brilliant guy who graduated with a degree in political, uh, in computer science from Stanford and went on to a, getting a degree in public administration at Harvard, at the Kennedy School at Harvard. He uh, grew up a Pentecostal. He spent some years in the Far East as a missionary for Pentecostal Christianity. He's a recent convert to Catholicism. He's a uh, brilliant, deeply religious guy. And what is annoying to me is that people don't mention that. They just mentioned that he's Trump's candidate. Well, which is true. and But he should get some credit also for who he is. The story in this congressional district is that John Gibbs was getting no attention, uh, was apparently, people thought, just going to lose the race. He's running against an incumbent congressman. Nobody has ever heard of him or knows who he is. He had served, by the way, under Ben Carson at the Housing and Urban Development. He was an assistant secretary there. So that's his, his qualification. Uh, ben Carson also from the Detroit area, as, as you probably remember. In any event, what happened is the Democrats decided, oh, let's go for this John Gibbs guy because we're going to beat him easily because he's a Trumpy and he believes the election was stolen and he wants to punish Peter Meyer. So they pumped a ton of money, a half a million bucks, into John Gibbs' campaign. This is the way that Chuck Todd on NBC uh, talked about that strategy, which we've seen across the country, where the Democrats are funding uh, Trumpy candidates, the Trump-endorsed candidates, because they assume they're going to lose. This is clip 14. And then also there's been a congressional race where the, the Democratic Party's House campaign arm spent money uh, to essentially boost the primary opponent to Peter Meyer, Peter Meyer being one of the 10 Republicans who voted to impeach Trump. Uh, the irony to that is we've got sources that have indicated to us, Joshua, that this the person they helped, his name's John Gibbs against Peter Meyer, Gibbs was already ahead when they decided to spend money to help him. So this is one of those cases where the fire had already been started, but now but now the Democrats could be accused of arson here. I mean, they, you better be careful because you might help a Trump candidate get a nomination who then wins in November. This is not the best environment for Democrats, particularly in swing districts. Okay, and it is a swing district, and it's a district where John Gibbs, uh, who uh, is handling the situation graciously, at least so far, and what's interesting, the way the Democrats promoted John Gibbs is they just talked about how close he was to Trump. And the truth is that among Republicans in that district, Trump is still very popular. How about elsewhere? And how about that general strategy of uh, the Democrats want the election to be about abortion and Trump? And, and basically, that's it.
Anything else the Democrats want to talk about? If you were a Democrat, is there something else you would want to talk about? 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. Uh, more on different surprises and sweeps. Uh, Trump candidates swept one state in particular. Which one? We will tell you. Coming up on the Medved Show. entire idea of uh, basically Democrats spending money to promote Trumpy candidates. How do they promote Trumpy candidates? We've played some of those ads for you in the past. And what they basically say is he's so close to Donald Trump, he's just like Donald Trump, and uh, he's a... Uh, uh, you should and, and they pretend as if it's supposed to be an ad that is meant to help the candidate that they're promoting, and they don't let you know that it's paid for by Democrats. But the assumption has been that uh, the idea of being close to Trump and being endorsed by Trump and believing the election was stolen and believing the election in Michigan was rigged and it was dishonest, that by saying those things, they would hurt the candidate that uh, they were promoting in that way. Well, actually, in some of these cases, uh, it seems to have helped them, which is uh, the idea. In other words, the person they were trying to hurt was the incumbent in this case, Peter Meyer. Peter Meyer would have won that district. Uh, right now, John Gibbs. John Gibbs, I think, can win the district if the Republicans get something like a red wave going. However, it's much less likely than if the incumbent had won. Uh, this is um, Adam Kinzinger, uh, who is one of those people who, yes, he joined uh, people like Peter Meyer and Dan Newhouse and Jamie Herrera Butler, both of whom are outstanding Congress people and deserve re-election. But Kinzinger... Uh, decided not to run for re-election because the Democrats had redistricted him. It's going to be difficult for any Republican to win that seat, let alone having to deal with uh, Trump uh, trying to go after him as part of his revenge tour. Uh, this is Kinzinger on the idea of the Democrats elevating some of the Republican election deniers in primaries, especially as this example of favoring John Gibbs over Peter Meyer, uh, clip 18. If Peter's opponent wins and goes on to November and wins, that the Democrats own that. Congratulations. I mean, here's the thing. Don't keep coming to me asking where are all the good Republicans that defend democracy, defend democracy, and then take your donor's money and spend half a million dollars promoting one of the worst election deniers that's out there. I mean... You know, the DCCC needs to be ashamed of themselves. Thankfully, some members of Congress, Democrats, have spoken out and said they're disgusted. I respect it. I have spoken out against the National Republican Congressional Committee many times when they've done things I've disagreed with. And there are also people that say, well, this is just politics, how cynical that is. And that's why I think Americans are just sick of both parties, to be honest with you. 
It, it is one of uh, the factors that I think makes people sick of both parties is the idea that you'll do absolutely anything to win and nothing else matters. And uh, at, at this point, uh, the one of the few races that is still outstanding is the race in Arizona with uh, Carrie Lake uh, running uh, against uh, her uh, opponent, who is uh, portrayed as the establishment candidate. And Carrie Lake looks to be on the verge of victory. It's still too close to call. But what's interesting about it is Carrie Lake's margin, at least right now, in the Arizona race against Karen Taylor Robson, a former member of the uh, Arizona Board of Regents, it's a, a bigger margin than Biden had when he actually carried the state. And that was before he got votes added because remember they did that very expensive recount by the cyber ninjas and the recount did provide 382 more votes for Biden. And uh, I think the number of extra votes they found for Trump was, well, it was a net gain for Biden of 382. This is uh, Carrie Lake on election night uh, saying that when all the votes are counted, she will be victorious. Clip 12. We have the ideas, we have the policies, and we are going to win this 100%. I don't want any of you to not believe that. When they count the votes, we are going to win this, and there's no path to victory for our opponent. And when we get into office, we are going to reform our elections for once and for all. Okay, how are they going to reform the elections? The Republican nominee, uh, and he won the nomination, Mark Fincham, uh, he, um, he, he actually plans and says that he believes that the legislature of the state should be able to override what the voters say on a presidential race. In other words, this is something that, that is going to be very, very controversial. And, and by the way, the reason that uh, I look askance at uh, some of the celebration that you hear from a lot of uh, Trump sympathetic Republicans about the victories in Arizona, victory for uh, the uh, candidate for Senate, uh, who was in, uh, endorsed by President Trump, the candidate Mark Fincham for Secretary of State, candidate for Attorney General endorsed by Trump, uh, they all won their primaries. But the fact is, they're all running against Democrats. And if you look at Blake Masters, who's running uh, now the nominee, uh, who is uh, running against Senator Mark Kelly, this is not going to be a close race. Because, I mean, again, if you take a look at what Blake Masters has said, some of his public statements supporting uh, the... Well, for instance, the uh, great replacement theory, the idea that uh, people are being deliberately brought into America in order to give the Democrats a permanent uh, domination of uh, places like Arizona. 
this is not going to be popular against a former astronaut who is a moderate Democrat. And and again, think of the other Democratic senator who uh, may not be that popular with the leftists in her own party, Kirsten Sinema, but would be very tough to beat. Uh, the, uh, the idea of uh, what all of this is doing to the chances of sweeping Republican victory coming up, it, it seems to me that if the big issues are abortion and the stolen election of 2020, uh, that should be enough to kill the idea of a sweeping Republican victory. You still might see enough House seats that go Republican that flip from Democratic to Republican to uh, give a majority there. But the Senate is a huge problem. If you actually listen to Blake Masters, who is now the Republican for U.S. Senate in Arizona, and, and Arizona had great Republican senators named Barry Goldwater. John Kyle, who was a great senator, and yes, John McCain. And uh, now uh, you have two Democratic senators because the, the state has really turned around. And those Democratic senators are going to be running against uh, four relative crackpots. And when you say crackpots, I mean one of the things about uh, Carrie Lake is that she was very anti-Trump. She had participated in those demonstrations and supported them where they claimed to get four million people demonstrating against Trump the day after his inauguration. Remember, they were wearing all those pink uh, hats that were supposed to signify something having to do with what Trump had said on Access Hollywood tape. And she was part of that. She had committed herself to uh, resistance of the Trump administration. She had do donated significant money to John Kerry running against uh, George W. Bush and to uh, Barack Obama running against uh, John McCain and, uh, and, and then, of course, running against Mitt Romney. So uh, Kerry Lake, as governor of Arizona, uh, I think she's going to have a very tough fight. She's running against the current Secretary of State, whose name is Hobbs. So is the Secretary of State, who had a very good primary in Washington. No relation. But uh, all of this is a funny reflection of a system that is in trouble. We'll be speaking about that with uh, Frank Luntz coming up. There's also a new study that says that millennial dads spend more time, a lot more time with kids than prior generations. Is that a good thing? We will get to that and to much more and the latest in the Alex Jones trial. Pretty exciting. Coming up in this greatest nation on God's green earth.